good morning and welcome to bringing it to the table with dr foodie i'm amanda plevel today let's talk a little bit more about anxiety um you like the episode raw and real which is um from my book unbound all about anxiety and it just looks at a functional approach to anxiety rather than kind of the typical medical um, psychosocial model and why we even talk about anxiety when it has to do with autoimmune resolution if you've listened to any of the other episodes it will begin to start making sense for you because that parasympathetic nervous system um, is is the core is the root of every effort for resolution in autoimmune and chronic illness and so just just breathing incorrectly can initiate the fight or flight response because if the if the cells aren't getting um, adequate oxygen they're going to send a, a, a signal saying hey we're in danger we're not getting what we need here and then they can't finish with their um, jobs that they're supposed to do they can't metabolize nutrients they can't metabolize waste and toxin out of the cell membrane and so simply breathing incorrectly is going to trigger a fight or flight response and as we've known now if you've listened to any of the other episodes that fight or flight response is an engagement of the sympathetic dominance um, the sympathetic side of the vagus nerve we want to live out of the parasympathetic most of the time that we are functioning day and night and that sympathetic is there it's not bad it's there to help us get through dangerous truly dangerous and threatening situations um and so let's talk a little bit about why anxiety would matter for that then is it, we're not going to talk about you know necessarily why it happened or, or why we st- suddenly start feeling this feeling of anxiety but when we start feeling of anxiety no matter where it comes from or why it's going to impact that sympathetic nervous system. It's going to keep us in that fight or flight. It's going to keep us in that sympathetic dominant state. And let me guess. So everything you've tried so far isn't working, right? You have mood swings, you feel up and down, you're happy one minute, you're sad the next. You don't understand where the anxiety is coming from. You don't understand, you just, you understand you feel unhappy. You understand you feel overburdened or you're missing something and that causes a lot of anxiety because you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know what to do to get out of it. There's an interesting theory about learned helplessness. Um, Dr. Martin Seligman is someone that you might want to look up and research about um, when it comes to learned helplessness because I think a lot that's a lot of where our anxiety and depression is coming from and that's a theory that that states that you basically give up because you feel like nothing you do matters. It's it's a learned idea that you are helpless or hopeless. Um, remember when we were younger and we had all these plans for our adult lives, you know, success and we were going to be somebody, we we're going to make money, we we're going to have our own home, the trips we would take and all the expensive things we would have, the adventures we would have. Remember that feeling wild and free with nothing but time on our on our sides and the decision to do whatever we wanted? You still haven't gotten there. <laughs> I feel like maybe you're in limbo. Like that's coming, right? That's that's gonna be here, right? Um, maybe you just don't have that feeling of elation and carefree feeling that you thought you would have. And I just wonder where in life did it change from that wild feeling of joyful sense of spirit to this drudgery of day-to-day tasks? Uh, when did anxiety and overwhelm replace the adventures on our bucket list and just become? this blocker in our doorway and i think it's interesting if you pay attention um dr joe dispenza is one that would be another good one for you to look up and listen to 
Um, and he also believes a little bit differently about these feelings of anxiety. And, and I believe him when he talks about this. And I learned from him that it, it's like you wake up with this feeling even because you wake up and within seconds, your mind is back in the present reality that you created. And you, you instantly go into the mind. You instantly start thinking things. And they're the same things that you thought yesterday. But nothing has happened yet today. So what you're what you're thinking about is a memory. You're thinking about something in the past or a worry that you're thinking about in the future. Excuse me. And so you're not even thinking about being present or something that's happening to you right now. It's an emotion from a memory that no longer exists. It's an emotion from a memory that that happened already. And so what ends up happening is we already block our 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 thinking, our free thinking. We our bodies take over into what it knows. It takes over into this program that we programmed. We've essentially lost our free will um, because we're acting off a program now. We get out of bed the same way. We read the same books. We get up, we get our coffee. We get in the shower. We even towel dry the same direction. We brush our teeth in, with the same pattern. Uh, we drive to work at the same time. We get mad at traffic at the same time. And we do the same things over and over. And then we wonder why we feel this sense of helplessness, this sense of anxiety that our present life varies so drastically from what we see in our head. And what ends up happening is we just, we continue to ruminate on that problem or what we see as that problem. And that rumination just further digs us a deeper and deeper hole. Guess what else it's doing? At this time, it's also continuing to engage your sympathetic dominance because something is signaling the body saying we are not well all is not good in our world. And so we constantly are on this edge of something is wrong, something is wrong. I can't pinpoint it, but something is wrong because our minds have gotten into this idea of ruminating on thoughts and our bodies have just gone about playing our program. We you know, do the same things. The body plays out the program. It has the same hurts from yesterday. It has the same ills from yesterday. It acts the same from yesterday because the body now thinks it's in charge it's running off the program that you have created. So the key is we have to get into that um, mindset of control where we are controlling the body. We are telling it what the new program is going to be. We have to have some new experiences and create neuro, use the neuroplasticity that we have, create new neuron transfers, create new memories. And we're not going to get there by doing the exact same things. Um, every day. This is why I love what I do so much. Not only does it force me to look at how I want to live, but I get to help other people do the same every day. Whether it's the clients that work with me one-on-one or the online community we've created, I love to help people get in and find their own significance, find that greatness within themselves and release the burdens that they've needlessly carried a large part of their lives. Um, I don't want you to wake up in the morning and automatically have this, this stress, this anxiety, Um, this fight or flight we engage in. Because here's the interesting thing that happens. When we have this sense of anxiety, and that's that's the nature of anxiety. You can't pinpoint it. You don't know always where it's coming from unless you're in a situation or a circumstance and you you can relate the anxiety to the situation. But that overwhelming, overburdening anxiety that tells you that something's not right in your world and you can't quite pinpoint it, what ends up happening is the mind takes over, the body is the master and it runs the program 
without you having free thought. It just runs the program that it knows to do. And what ends up happening is you can have a panic attack without you even engaging in it. Your body can do it because it is feeling the stress and it is feeling the burden. No matter how much mental um, cognitive effort you are getting to try to talk yourself out of it, your body systems can actually have a panic attack without you in it. And this is where we end up with that anxiety. Guess what happens when that happens? Your breathing shuts. <laughs> it shunts. It doesn't, it doesn't deliver oxygen in the same way. We get into shallow breathing. Our heart rates increase. Our, our lungs expand our, so that we can divert oxygen to the muscles of the legs, for example, so that we can run, so that we can get out of there, so we can get out of the situation. And so this is kind of the motor that is purring behind our background. You know, it's the background noise to our activity every day because it is in this constant run, run, run state. And it's been trained like that for so long that we don't even see physiologically all the ways that our body is running incorrectly. This is why we always come back to the breath because breath is literally what took matter and made it living. Breath is, you can live, you know, days without water. You can live weeks without food, but you can't go longer than a few minutes without breath. Breath is what separates the living from the dead. So how you breathe is going to be very important. How you breathe is going to indicate to the body which system it needs to operate off of, the sympathetic or the parasympathetic. Now, back to anxiety here a little bit. Anxiety has such a pervasive nature that it can now be one of the largest category of medications prescribed. However, the relief is reported to be ineffectual in many cases. It is so pervasive that healing communities of all kinds are having a hard time deciding exactly what is effective and what can be done. And when relief is not felt, determination wanes. This is again where we get into that state of learned helplessness. It's as though we need to interrupt our typical programming. And so, um, in my opinion, uh, anxiety is a communicable disease. It's highly suggestive and it's contagious, meaning in a person that's already existing in a state of fight or flight most of the time, any suggestions that they are around that might indicate further calamity, further illness, permanence of illness, permanence of difficulty, in a, in a person that's already riding on a, on a fight or flight mode all the time, they are going to be, uh, that suggestion is going to be easily absorbed and registered into the brain. Their heart rates are going to quicken. Their breath is going to quicken. They're going to instantly feel the extra revving that comes with cortisol that runs through your body when it feels this state of, of, of excitement. So think about a person that is in um, like chronic allergies, chronic food allergies, autoimmune, chronic inflammatory disease, most of the time, these people don't process things well. They don't have the enzymes. They don't have the hormones or the ligands in the, um, in, in, the, in the mitochondrial membranes or the cellular membranes to process toxins, to process nutrients, to process hormones and chemical messengers like they should. And so when toxins, drugs, foods, phytochemicals come in, they don't process as well. And we end up with an inflammatory insult, an inflammatory reaction to that. And so people are generally, um, they've gone through quite a bit of illness and um, kind of those crazier things that happen when they do try to get help. And so they get very fearful about getting help. They get very fearful about trying new things. They get very fearful about um, anything that's going to work for them because it's multifactorial at this point. 
but it still comes down to a rejection response. The cells putting up that rejection. I've said before, and I'll say it many times over, I'm sure, that I believe autoimmune to be a disease of separation. I believe it to be um, a, a, a disease of rejection. And so getting to that place of non-rejection starts with needing to be in a state of calm where the cells are in an environment where they can function if given the the, the tools to do that. Um, you can, and this is why you'll hear people, they've tried this, they've tried that, I've tried enzymes, I've tried diet, I've tried steroids, I've tried all kinds of things and they don't have resolution to their trouble. Not only is it because it's multifactorial, but that, that foundational pillar of the nervous system engagement in the correct nervous system, meaning the parasympathetic that we're talking about, and learning how to engage the sympathetic when we need it, and then how to disengage it when we don't need it. When that foundation is not set, you're not going to see the multifactorial tools bring about the resolution that you're hoping for. Um, In fact, I had made a chart at one point of all of the things known to help with autoimmune. And so some people had talked about pro-resolving mediators and and, uh, prebiotics and probiotics. And what I found was, yep, you know, I I categorized them then where it was, these are absolutely necessary. These are not necessary, but you can use them, but they're not going to hurt anything. Um, But this is absolutely essential. So I had different categories and I would put all of these different things that I had heard about people using as tools for resolution. And the one common denominator is, you know, some people would say, yep, probiotics did it for me, or yep, um, antimicrobials did it for me, or prebiotics were the answer, enzymes were the answer, but not everybody across the board. But what has been necessary in everybody across the board and what has been common throughout is this, this sympathetic dominance. And so parasympathetic training has been that it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not a cure-all. It's not going to take everything away. However, it provides that foundation. Nothing can happen without this proper communication, this proper messaging all throughout the nervous system. And that starts with parasympathetic activation. We're going to talk more about anxiety because it is such a, um, like I said, it's such a pervasive, um, it's, it's such a pervasive thing. Um, that many people are experiencing along with depression or not. Um, One thing that you can do as an exercise right away, just grab a pen and paper. Um, let's, Let's start with an exercise to help clearly define what's going on because that feeling of anxiety is there because you're in a system of sympathetic dominance. Mentally, we can go far with this because remember what I said, the body takes over and become, it just runs off the program that you told it to do. You got into the habit of getting up, getting your coffee, drying off this way, brushing your teeth this way, getting into the car with the same, I mean, you lift the same foot to even get into your vehicle. We don't challenge the neurons. We don't challenge the pathways to experience something new and to create adaptation to stressors. So when an adaptation has to happen, we really engage into that sympathetic dominance. One of the things we need to do with that is obviously have some different experiences that teach us how to have adaptation. All in due time, not everybody can do that right away. One of the things we can do right away is is work with that anxiety right from the get-go. And you can do that with an exercise I call fact, theory, and fantasy. 
let's let's brainstorm everything that's just going haywire in your life right now. Let's not judge it. Just write down everything that is bothering you. Um, oh, my my heels are cracking. I've got foot fungus. I've got this weird bump on my head. I've got itchy skin. Um, I, my liver isn't functioning well. I'm constipated. I don't like my job. I wake up feeling, you know, depressed. Whatever your burdens are, write down all of your worries, your fears, your burdens, all of your constant thoughts, because it's these constant thoughts that are the unconscious programming that your body is living off of. The body basically is the unconscious mind. It's an expression of the unconscious mind. It's a manifestation of the unconscious mind. It's a manifestation of what you're thinking. Um, And so let's write those things down. Not only does it help to release the mind, but we can divide them then so that we can cognitively think about them. Um, You can look up cognitive behavior therapy Some people have gotten a lot of benefits out of the different ways that you can use cognitive behavior therapy. This is one version of that. Um, Let's divide them now into three columns, fact, theory, and fantasy. So fact is something that's happening right now. It's provable. Theory is what I logically believe is happening. And fantasy is definitely something that my mind is imagining. And most often you'll find that the columns of theory and fantasy often intertwine and they can be hard to distinguish. And they usually make up the largest columns. So these columns engage our imagination and the mind, and we can see that they live in the realm of the false. They live in the realm of illusion. Challenging these concepts is a good way to take back control of the mind. If we can take back control of the mind, we can tell the body that, again, that we are in charge. It's not going to engage in the same programming because we are aware of this now. When those fantasy or theoretical thoughts come into our minds, we can go, oh, wait, That's a fantasy thought. That's not a reality. That's a worry. That's a burden. It's not really happening in my life right now. And so listen here, buddy, I am in charge of this and we're going to do this instead. We're going to calm our body. We're going to breathe. We're going to get up and work out. We're going to do this instead. Even the facts column you'll find while tending to be shorter, it can be challenged as to the actual truth and validity. And you may find that you end up moving it to the other columns. Um, Handle the fact column one at a time and what you find left there. Um, So things that you look at each one individually, move it to the fantasy or the theory column if you find that, oh, you know what, that that actually isn't true. If it was true, it's going to be true all the time in all situations. And that's actually not, I'm actually not a knucklehead. Um, I'm not a stupid person. I failed my test. Um, that indicates I'm a stupid person. Well, that's not necessarily true because the past three tests you passed. So I guess I have to move that statement into the fantasy because it's, it's definitely not a reality. So you'll, you'll get down to what is actually in the fact column. Now you can come up with reasonable solutions to those few things that are left in your fact column. So this is just one of the ways that you can begin to work with the anxiety. Anxiety is not something that we should shove off. It's not something we should band-aid over. We want to learn from it as much as we can. We want to not let the minds control us. We want to engage in a conversation with the anxiety is what I would say. Pretend the anxiety is a another being and talk to it and learn from it. Um, pretend it's your six-year-old self 
pretend it's a, a, a small child, you're going to talk to it differently than if you thought it was you. You'll be less victimized, you'll be less helpless, and you'll be able to help yourself more delineating what really is a factual problem in your life and what is theory, what is fantasy. Those theory and fantasy ones are the programs that just run that are not helpful to us. So being aware of those is, is our first step. Now, I definitely would suggest going back and listening to some of the other episodes, particularly the cellular meditation. I would have people do that on a regular basis, do that daily. Um, and then listen to, to the upcoming episodes. We'll be talking more about anxiety. We'll be talking more about um, autoimmune resolution. Thanks for bringing it to the table with me. I'm Amanda Plevel, and we'll see you in the next episode.